Good morning, Dorisville. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Say it with me. He is risen. He is risen. That's what all the excitement is about today. The fact that Jesus Christ has risen. And we are so incredibly pleased that you have come to worship and celebrate this Sunday at Dorisville Baptist Church. And you know, the song said, you know, if you've got to start somewhere, why not here? If you've got to start sometime, why not now? And our prayer is this. If you've never experienced the incredible power of Jesus Christ in your life, we think today and we think here is an awesome time for that to happen. We have been in a series uh, that we've called I Am, and it's from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And it all happened what we call, what many uh, religious circles call, Holy Week. And Holy Week is all about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then Thursday night, he has the Lord's Supper. He washes the disciples' feet. He predicts his betrayal. And when Peter says, not me, Lord, I'll never betray you. And then that's when Jesus said, hey, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny that you know me. It just broke their hearts. They had followed everybody and every, they had followed, left everything behind to follow not everyone but one man. And that man was Jesus Christ. And then he says these words, I'm going to die, die, die. We've left, we sold the boats, we sold the nets, we left our families, we left our friends because we believe you were the king and you're going to overthrow the Roman government and you're going to die. And Jesus says, that's right, because I am the king and I'm the Messiah, but not as you perceive and not as you see. And that's when he said, let not your heart be troubled. See, the world for them was troubled. And this isn't our world troubled, too. We all get frustrated with, with $4 gallon gas, but your world is much more rock than that. Often, so often, we get a call in the middle of the night and, and death has stolen away a loved one or our children have been involved in an accident or received devastating word that our marriage vows have been broken. Things happen in this world and we live in a troubled world. And like Jesus said to them, he would say to you today, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but go one step further. Now believe in me. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come again and receive unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And then Jesus said, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas, like so many of us today, would have to raise our hands and say, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And that's when he said it. Probably one of the most the greatest promises in the word of God. He said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said this so narrow and so powerfully. He said, no one comes to God but through me. That's a pretty wild statement unless it happens to be true. And that's what this is about today. We believe that that is true. When Jesus said, I am. He was saying so much more than I am. See, back when, when God called this guy named Moses to lead the children of Israel, if you watched the Ten Commandments last night on Channel 3, did you anybody watch that? You know, Charleston Heston, you know, playing Moses, and, and Yul Brenner was the bad guy. You know, if you watched that, when God called Moses, and Moses said, these guys have been in captivity for 400 years. They've kind of maybe forgotten who you are. So who should I say you are that's sending me? And, and God said, you tell them that I am that I am is sending you. And they said, you tell them 
I am sent you. And when Jesus said, I am, literally in the Greek, he was saying, I am. I am God. How incredible that Jesus Christ made this claim to be God in the flesh. God become man and man become God. Only time in history will ever happen. It will never happen again in all eternity. That God became flesh. Now pause for that a moment. I know you kind of want to push back and say, Dwayne, I'm here because my wife invited me. My mother said the whole family was going to be in church. And it is Easter after all. So, But Dwayne, isn't that just a little bit far-fetched? Just, just one thought. One thought. Here's what I want you to do. I want to really get your mind bent, okay? Fast forward 2,100 years. The year is now 4,111. That's the date. 4,000. 111. Who will people be talking about? Will they say, you know, that President Obama, he was president in in 2011, and wow, what a president he was? No. Let's bring it on down a couple notches. Pick your favorite pastor. How about Billy Graham? Everybody likes Billy Graham. Do you think in 2,100 years that people are going to be thinking, Billy Graham? No. I don't think they'll be talking about anybody that's alive today. Much less an obscure person like you. But can can you imagine if the year was 4,111 and they were still talking about you? I know what? That is exactly what this is about today. 2,100 years after Jesus was born, lived, died, and resurrected, the world is still talking about him. 2,100 years, we are talking about a carpenter from a place called Nazareth that no one should know about. And you want to know why over one-third of the world makes a direct connection with God and Jesus Christ? You want to know why 2,100 years later, people all around the world are saying Jesus is the way, He is the Son of God? It's because He is the way and He is the Son of God. 2,100 years later. That's got to say something to you. It's got to say there might just be something to this Jesus thing. And there is. Because he is, he was, I am. Emmanuel, God in the flesh. So then he wants to say, I am the way. On that particular Sunday, God used Matt Winkleman to talk about something that happened in Africa. In that particular Sunday, we talked about when there was no way, the way showed up. And a way was made. A little girl, seven years old, in Africa, fell 20 feet out of a tree. Landed landed square on her head. Brought by an uncle to where there had to be two American doctors. She was unconscious. When she woke up, she was resisting. Eventually went to a seizure when both doctors agreed death was moments away. They had their hand on her wrist waiting for the pulse to stop. The mother and the father show up, and they mention her name, and she groans, and she groans again. It went on through the night. In the morning, they took to a hospital to receive IVs. Today, that little girl, when there was no way, the way made a way. That little girl today is walking around in Mali, West Africa, because I am showed up. 
God showed up and said, it's not over until I say it's over. I am the way. Last week we heard, I am the truth. The truth. And it was incredible because here was the truth that we talked about. That God records in His Word that God calls all men to be saved, to come into relationship with Him. And there's one God. He's a great God. He's a powerful God. He's an all-knowing God. He's an all-caring God. But the problem is, He's holy and we're not. And because we have sinned, we are separated from God. That verse says, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And 2,100 years ago, on Good Friday, he laid his life down. Because the Bible says that the wages, the payment for sin, is death. But it goes on and says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not through a giant scale, not through a denomination, not through church, but through Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. And this is so incredible. I am the life. I am the life. I entitled the message today, Funeral Crasher. We've heard of party crashers. We've heard of wedding crashers. But have you ever heard of a funeral crasher before? Jesus was actually four days late for a funeral. And I'm glad I've never missed one, but he was four days late. So they thought. And the sister of the man who had died said to Jesus, Jesus, you know, if you had been here, your friend and my brother Lazarus... Would not have died. And here's what Jesus said. Martha. I am. And again. Poignant with meaning. Pregnant with meaning. I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me. Even though he die yet shall he live. And you know what happens like 20 minutes later. They walk over to the tomb. Jesus says, roll the stone back. And Martha says, he's stinking by now, God. It's been four days. Roll the stone back. And God says, okay, Father, do what you're going to do. Basically, that's what he said. And cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And here comes Lazarus, who had been dead four days, hopping out of the grave. You know why? I am showed up. You see... Jesus is a really good funeral crasher because he really changed his thing when he showed up. It happened on January the 10th, 2011. A young man named Travis Gesky, a Gaskin, had died. We all said, what's up, God? He was a good kid. What's up? That Monday... January the 10th, 2011, was his funeral. They let me have a part in the service. So we showed up there at Little Chapel, and we had you know, lots of people, and the family was there, and it was a funeral. And there was the body. And then a guy got up and started talking and said, I was there. You were there. I was there. When Travis made his commitment to Jesus Christ. I was there when God came into his life in a huge way and changed him. And then Jeff Rush, the pastor, got up. 
and shared about the intense relationship and love and Travis that they had, how God was so evident in his life. And then Barry Steed got up and sang, and somewhere in the process, the funeral was over. Because I Am showed up. And it became a celebration. And I shared with them that day what I want to share with you today. Because somewhere in your past or somewhere in your future, you're going to make a visit to the funeral chapel. It'd be a loved one that passed away. And one day, ultimately, it'd be you. But when I Am shows up, it changes everything. Take your Bibles, please, and look at Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 17. We'll have the scripture on the screen for you. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 17. We want to see, first off, a collision of worlds. The, the song talked about when the sinners and the saints. And there's only two kinds of people in the world, by the way. There's, there's saints and ain'ts. Not saints because we're good, but saints because we've trusted Jesus. People who have trusted Jesus and people who have not. It's not about good or bad. It's not, a, not about how much of a sinner or how not a sinner. Either you've trusted Jesus or you haven't. And so there's this collision of worlds that we want to look at. The Bible says in Luke chapter 7, soon afterwards. After what, Dwayne? Like, like Jesus had healed this guy. And he did it in a really cool way because he didn't even go to the house. He said, just, just go back. Your servant's healed. And sure enough, the servant was healed. Soon after that, the Bible says he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Now, this is really cool. I mean, you know, how many of you have ever been to Elizabethtown before? A few of y'all, yeah. You, you know one thing about Elizabethtown? It's a nice town. I mean, you want some great views of the river? Go to Elizabethtown. You want some good fish? They got this place that floats on the river, and you can go down there, and you can eat on the river and have great fried fish and french fries. It's awesome. But the deal is, you've got to be going to Elizabethtown to go to Elizabethtown. I mean, let's just face it. You don't have too many people to show up in Elizabethtown. I was just traveling through. <laughs> you don't just travel through Elizabethtown. You have to be going there. Well, that's kind of the way Nain was. Nain was this obscure village where you didn't go to unless you're looking for fried fish, maybe. I don't know. But Nain didn't have much to offer. And yet we find Jesus making this path to Nain. You want to know why? He had to crash a funeral. There was an appointment he had to make a difference in a woman and a man's life, just like he has an appointment today to make a difference in your life. So they're traveling toward the gate of Nain. Here they go. They're traveling. You know, Jesus, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but he's the rock star. This is early in his ministry. He's already healed some people. And people are going, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And they just go back, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I mean, everybody wanted to be around Jesus because he was good. I mean, he could do things like heal people. He was the rock star. And then there was those guys that followed him, those 12. They were around him too, and they're all right there leading the chairs. And then there's this big group of people that were following Jesus because he was cool to be around. And they wanted to be around him because things happened when Jesus was around. So here they're traveling toward Nain, and the Bible says this in verse 12. Just as he neared the gate of the town... A dead man was being carried out, and 
He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was also with her. So you've got Jesus like, wow, and you've got the twelve like, wow, and you've got a bunch of people going like, wow. And then you've got this. There's a man, and he's the star. But he's the star because he's dead. You see, it's his funeral. He's laying there in an open coffin, laying there. He also has a very close follower, and it's his mama. Doesn't mention any brothers, sisters, just mama. In fact, the Bible says, one, she only had one son, and it was him, and she was a widow. Now, let me stop there and pause a moment. It doesn't get any worse than this. We know he was a young man. Don't think 12. Think more like 25 or 30 years old, probably in the prime of his life. How many children does she have? Say one. And he's dead. Her husband has already died because the Bible says she's a widow. Now, there is no social security. There is no way for this woman to be taken care of short of begging. She is a perfect target for people to take advantage of her. It is a very difficult situation. And that was the ones that followed the coffin. And then there's a large crowd, perhaps friends, but most likely back in those days, you hired mourners. If you want to have a big funeral, that's how you do it. You offer 20 bucks to everybody who come to your funeral. Of course, you won't be there to pay, so it's okay. So you pay the mourners to show up, okay? And you have this large group with a dead man, a mourning mother, and all these mourners. And then you've got Jesus Christ over here, the rock star. You've got the twelve going yay, and you've got the crowd going yay. And these two worlds are fixing to collide. Just like the song said, two worlds collide. You've got death. You've got life. You've got sorrow. You've got joy. You've got a party. And you've got a pity party. Two worlds rushing toward each other. What do you do? What do you do? The right thing. You show respect. Jesus, if he'd been any other ordinary rock star of the day, because said, hey, guys, move over. Come over to the side. Hey, you 12, get over here. Hey, crowd, move over here. Let's let's, let's let these folks pass by. Isn't that what we do with funeral possessions? If we show respect, you see the hearse coming down the street. You see the lights flashing. Often you have a police officer because they're busy doing something else. But you see the, the, you see the, the hearse and you pull over out of respect. Now, the second option is you can blow by it. I mean, Jesus could have said, if he'd been any other rock, rock star, he could have said, plow through, boys, y'all get out of the way, because I'm number one. I am it. I am the star. I am the son of God. And the twelve have said, yay, yay, rah, rah. And the crowd would have said, yeah, wow. And that had been so wrong. I was at a funeral Thursday. A 97-year-old lady died. And so we get into the lead car with the funeral director, and we pull up the stop sign. This is in Anna, Illinois, and this is like a major road. And he goes, Dwayne, I probably will need your help here because there was no police officer. So he rolls his window down, and I roll my window down, and here we are going, 
trying to get cars to stop. I, I bet people looked at the car and said, they're trying to make it fly. So I panned away like this because they're on my side coming toward me. Two cars blew us by. But finally, I got in a pickup truck and said, oh, stop. Jesus could have blown by. As these people blew by, perhaps as we do sometimes in fuel possession, we get blown by. Maybe, maybe you could even show empathy. Maybe you see the funeral possession and you remember reading the obituary that so-and-so died. You go, oh, I know so-and-so. And instantly it moves beyond respect to empathy because you knew the person. And so you stop and you pull over. Something bigger than that happened that day. Because you see, it wasn't just Jesus the rock star. It wasn't just Jesus saying, look how important I am, because he would never do that. It was Jesus, the I am. And when I am shows up, it changes everything. When God shows up at a funeral, it changes everything. And I'm going to tell you today, when religion shows up in your life, you'll have a bunch of rules. When church shows up in your life, you'll have some place to go on Easter and Christmas and on Sundays. But when God shows up in your life, you will never be the same again. Amen? So, look what the Bible says in verse number uh, 13. When the Lord saw her, when I am saw her. Now, now you can't get this. Now, remember, you know, when you're God in the flesh, like Jesus was... You see things that other people miss. He saw the obvious. I mean, it didn't take a rocket scientist to go, oh, look, there's a funeral coming. He saw something beyond. In his supernatural way, he looked at that woman and knew two things. That the guy that they were carrying was her only son. And that somewhere in the past, her husband had already died. She was a widow. She was helpless. She was hopeless. And the Bible says he had compassion on her. Literally in the Greek, his heart went out to her. And you know what he said? There's three things that are said that are like contradictions. Things you shouldn't say at funerals, it would seem. First thing is this. He says, don't cry. Of which the widow lady might have been tempted to say, uh, excuse me, sir. Don't cry. Let me give you a rundown of my life. First off, we never were rich. And then one day, Henry, my husband, he died. But you know, that happens. And I was still going to have food because I had a son who was old enough to work the fields or old enough to do this or old enough to do that. And so I knew that somehow it was going to be taken care of. I hated to lose Henry, but I knew life would go on because life is hard in this area. And then her, her son, Henry II, died. And Henry Jr. was the sole provider. And she'd be tempted to say, don't cry. Don't you understand? I don't even have a husband. Now my only son is high, uh, is, has died. Don't cry. That would have been very inappropriate. Unless you happen to be... I am. Unless you had the ability 
to change the outcome of the funeral. And Jesus did. Amen? So, the Bible says that he came up and touched the coffin, which was a big religious no-no. Instantly made you unclean in the eyes of the church. Bad deal. He touched the open coffin. And the pallbearers stopped, probably out of shock. Their jaws are going, the rabbi touched the coffin. And then the Bible says this. And he, capital H, the I am, Jesus, said, young man, I tell you, get up. Now, this isn't too uncommon in a sense. As a pastor, one of the responsibilities we have at the conclusion of the service is to stand at the head of the casket. And we are there to offer condolence as they say their final goodbyes to the remains of their loved ones. And some of the most tender words I have ever heard have been spoken at the casket. Mom, I love you. Honey, I'll never forget you. I have seen crocodile tears fall onto the earthen shell of their loved one as their heart was broken. I've seen and heard many words spoken at a casket. But I have never heard... A command given to a dead man. I've never heard a command given to a dead woman. And yet Jesus Christ, the great I am, on that day did something that was strictly a contradiction at his funeral. He gave a command to the dead man. He looked at him and said, young man, I, I am, I tell you, get up. Now, that's totally inappropriate and absurd. Unless you happen to be God in the flesh. Come on now. Unless you happen to be God. And Jesus was. So what happened? The Bible said the dead man sat up. Now, let me just pause here. When the dead man sits up, the funeral is over. Can I have an amen? I mean, I mean, when the dead sit up, first off, I'm out of there. But, but it's over. It's done. And the dead man got up and began to speak. Now, I have, we, don't, we just left our imagination what he said. I don't know if he said, whoo, what a ride. I don't know what he said, but I know one thing. It was really inappropriate. It was a contradiction for dead people to talk at a funeral. Unless... You're no longer dead. And I'm telling you on that day, in that particular instance, the dead man was no longer dead. He was alive. Why? Because I am showed up. I am showed up. Now, I won't tell you that Travis sat up that day and talked to us. I won't tell you this. And his mama's sitting right back here. We still grieved. And we still wept. But somewhere along the way, the funeral was over, and what was a funeral became a celebration. And it became a celebration because that young man knew Jesus Christ, the risen King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the great I Am, who can make a difference in people's lives like yours today. See, I'm not, let me be very clear, I'm not talking about religious experience. I'm not about church. 
I thought about when two worlds collide, when the guy who said, I am the resurrection life, collides with death. Things change. It changed that day. And it changed on January the 10th, 2011. Does his mama still miss him? Yeah, but like I said before church, I said, we, were, we know where he is. And he's in a real place and he's very much alive. And as we have trusted Jesus, so we shall see him again. So we shall see him again. Now, what do you think happened? Look at the Bible says. Then fear, all, not like fear, but wow, came over everyone and they glorified God. You remember God's to-do list? To bring glory to his name. In fact, you remember when I said Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and life. Remember that funeral? He said the reason that he didn't run to Lazarus and get him before he died was because he wanted to bring glory to the Father. That was allowed to happen because, believe me, when Lazarus came hopping out, God got a big amen. And I promise you, God got a big amen here. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've been to a lot of funerals. And when that person was a rock-solid believer in Jesus Christ, and it went from being a funeral to a celebration, God got a big amen. And the Bible says... Then fear came over everyone. They glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. Hey, 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 hey. Did you hear what happened at Nain? Nothing ever happens at Nain. It's a dead... No, 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 no. Listen, listen. So-and-so, the young man, Henry II, he died. And they were taking him out of town to bury him. And he met Jesus. And Jesus said, get up. And he got up. And Jesus came back to his mama. I'm telling you, he was dead, but he's not anymore. Have you heard? And 2,100 years later, we're still talking about it. But we got a bigger story than that. Now, this is my opinion. Can I give you my opinion? I think one reason, we don't know how many people Jesus raised from the dead. I can tell you how many recorded in Scripture, but not everything Jesus did recorded. We don't know how many people he read. I bet he crashed a lot of funerals. And you know what? He was just warming up. Because he was going to crash a funeral the Sunday after Good Friday. Because they nailed, come on, yeah, they, they nailed him to a cross. And they put him in a borrowed grave because, honey, he didn't need it but three days. He, he went to Joe's rental tomb and rented a tomb for three days. And they put him in there and he had practice. And then he said, I have power to lay my life down and I have power to take my life up again. And on the third day, up from the grave, he arose. Woo! Woo! And Dwayne... You say that like you believe that, man. With every ounce of my being, I believe that. And I listen, yes, you believe by faith. But I'm telling you, we shouldn't be telling this story about a carpenter from Nazareth 2,100 years later. There's got to be some validity to it. And there is. It's a valid story. It doesn't... Don't, don't you know it means something when the most documented historical event... It's not Rome. It's not Babylon. 
The most documented event in history is the life of Jesus Christ. That's incredible. You, you scientific people out there, you intellectual people, wrestle with that. You believe that Rome existed based on a very small fragment of history that is the newest, I'm sorry, the oldest one we have is a thousand years after Rome. We have manuscripts of the life of Jesus dated 200 A.D. And not one, but many. It is a documented fact in history that Jesus Christ was born and that he lived and that he died. And yes, on the third day, he resurrected. He's the greatest funeral crasher ever. And oh, he wants to make a difference in your life. God does not care. Say God doesn't care. God doesn't care if you're Baptist. God doesn't care if you're Presbyterian. God doesn't care if you're Catholic. That doesn't impress God. The one thing that matters to God is this. There's one God and he is holy. And there's one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. And you say, well, dude, if, if like Jesus like would raise people from the dead like now, I would believe in him. Listen to the word of God. That book I was telling you about that we have so many manuscripts of. Paul, who met Jesus, said this. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible says that in our natural state, the way we were born, we are dead in spirit. We are spiritually dead. We're dead in sins and trespasses. And then he goes on and says this. But God. Say, but God. I like when, I like when there's a but God. Because when God buts, things change. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Can I ask you, is there anyone here today who can give a witness that one day you are spiritually dead and today you know you are not? Can I have a witness? Is there anyone in the building? Is there anyone in the building? For me, it happened October 26, 1975. I met Jesus Christ. And I was dead as a doornail. Woo! I was so religious, I stunk. I went to church three times a week. I did the workday thing. I did the singing thing. I did this, all of that stuff. Dead as a doornail. And then one Sunday morning, I met Jesus. And I went from being dead to being alive. And it's been the greatest Ride in my life. And, but, but did you get it? By grace you have been saved. It's not because I got a piece of paper in my drawer somewhere that says I'm an ordained minister. It's not because I go to church. It's not because I'm a good guy in some people's eyes. It's because of God's amazing grace. Grace is something you get when you don't deserve it. In fact, he goes on and says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God says this, you can't be good enough. You can't bring enough good stuff to the table to ever change your position with me. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll allow my son Jesus Christ to die for your sins. 
He'll willingly lay his life down. And because the wages of sin is death, that will be the payment for your sin. And if you'll believe and put your faith and trust and make a commitment to him, I will make you alive again. And incredibly, again, about a third of the world's people make a direct connection. Some like two and a half billion people in the world make a direct connection with God and Jesus and man. That's very significant. And today, I believe you've got to start somewhere. Why not here? If you've got to start sometime, why not now? Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6. He said, Behold, today is the day of salvation. See, you, you came to church today because someone invited you or it was Easter or whatever. But God had in mind something much bigger. He wanted to crash the funeral of your life. And give you life. He wants to take you from being dead spiritually to making you alive. You don't need religion. You don't need church. But you desperately need a Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? I want to thank you. Y'all listen so well today. Thank you so much for that. And guys, with every... Every fiber of my bones, I know this is real. And if you're one of those ones that want to challenge it intellectually, Google it. I challenge you, get on the Internet. Find out why you're so readily able to put your faith and trust in a little bit of Roman history. But you can ignore the Word of God. Yeah, I know it's supernatural. But wouldn't you expect God to be supernatural? If He was just not... Would he be God? But Dwayne, the world says, I know the world says, but not everyone. Not everyone. And if you'll listen right now, you just might hear a still small voice saying, try me. Trust me. Follow me. Not to church. Not to a pool of water to be baptized. But a commitment Put your faith and trust in a guy who was the I am 2,100 years ago and is the I am today. Today. Last week I had some folks pray a prayer with me. And there's no magic prayer. There's no magic words. Jesus said to one guy, follow me. And he got up and followed him. There's a commitment to following Jesus Christ. He's not a fire escape. He's not a, oh, well, I want to have a good funeral when I die kind of guy. He wants you to follow him the rest of your life. But today, if you'll admit to God that you've sinned against him, and the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, there's none righteous, no, not one. If we would admit today that he was the Son of God, that he was buried, he died and was buried, and believe that on the third day he resurrected, and if we'll make a commitment to follow him, he opens his arms and says, I'm your Savior. I'm your King. I'm with you. And that will bring you into relationship with God today. Now, I'm going to leave us in that prayer again today. No hokey pokey, no hard sell, nothing like that. I'm not going to come up to you after the service and say, did you pray that prayer? No. But God's spoken to your heart. And you know what I mean when I say that. If there's something in your heart going on right now, 
where you're saying, with something in your heart saying, this is the real deal. If you'll pray this prayer meet with your heart and make that commitment, you'll leave here different than when you came in. So join me in this prayer if you've never asked Jesus into your life and made a commitment to Him. God, I know that I've sinned. You are holy and I am not. But God, today, I believe in Your Son, Jesus Christ. And I believe He lived. I believe He died. And they put Him in a grave. But I also believe today, I choose to believe today, that He resurrected on the third day. And He lives today. God, I'm sorry for my sin. And I choose to turn away from that. And I want to follow your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for hearing this prayer today. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, and no one looking but me, and I promise you I will not approach you, I just want to celebrate with you today. If today you met Jesus Christ, today you prayed that prayer and said, Dwayne, I meant it with my heart, then I want to celebrate with you. Will you slip your hand up? No one looking but me. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there others? Dwayne, today I made that commitment. Amen. God bless you. God bless you over here. Any others? God bless you. Amen. Any others? Today, Dwayne, I met the great I am. It's what today is all about. May I be the first to welcome you into the family of God. And if you want to grab me after service and say, hey, by the way, I did pray that prayer. That's cool. If not, if we can help you in any way on your start of this journey, we are glad to do that. At the welcome counter, we can get you a copy of God's Word, that one I talked about. we got some things there at the welcome counter that will help you on this new journey. And we want to walk with you on this journey. Now, if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ and you'd like to celebrate with me, those who've asked Jesus in their heart, can you give God a great round of applause this morning? Thank you, God. Amen. Welcome to the family of God.